Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gate, ready to go. We promise. OutKick 360 is here. Wednesday edition, 6th and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. The crew is all here. Scooby Wright. From the USFL and the Birmingham Stallions will be here in 20 minutes. He is a football tackling machine with quite the backstory. He joins us in 20 minutes. We have primary complaint today as well. That is straight ahead this hour, plus plenty to discuss across the NFL and much more. The international schedule is official with the five matchups that will be played and when and where. We've got that for you a bit later, as well as some big topics. Uh, gentlemen, good afternoon. Good afternoon. It is great to be here. I'm excited, fired up, ready to go. Every day that we open this show, though, something happens behind our production crew that makes me pause. It is like clockwork at 2 p.m. Central Time every day. Something wild happens right as we come on air. You guys do a great job of blocking it out. Unfortunately, I see everything at all times. And today, as we go on air, yes. a woman went speeding past behind Jacob and Tyler and looked like she hit a flat on one of those scooters. What's the <laughs> thing that we, you know, the, the, yeah, going on downtown? The, 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 the motorized scooter. Like she looked like she hit a flat and was like uh, dovetailing down the sidewalk as I looked up at a high rate of speed. So. That was the opening show moment today for me. Reed not with us today. He would be the guy that has the answer because our city was swarmed with these scooters at a time. Some sort of restriction came into play because there are only a few of them now. There was a time where you'd hit a downtown sidewalk if you were walking and you'd have to go into the street because there were 16 scooters blockading the sidewalk. I just but don't, we do see some around our studio now. I don't understand. At one time, I repelled a building uh, in downtown Nashville. Very I, I promise I'll get to the point here. Very brave. I repelled a building for charity at one point. And I remember getting up to the top of the building and thinking, there probably should be some sort of training for this. And guess what? There was training. You had to go through 30 minutes with someone on what to do if you swung out over the side of the building, you know, not to panic. Someone could always pull you back up if you got too afraid or whatever. I made it down the building. But I'm glad there was training there. I see these motorized scooters all over downtown Nashville, and I think, how are people allowed just to pick one up and get on Willy it? Willy-nilly! Without training. I see people flying through the city, and I'm thinking, this is so dangerous, and there's not one bit of training. It's not like you have to present a commercial driver's license when you get one of these. There's no special training involved. It's just people, possibly inebriated, hopping on a motorized cart in the middle of a major metropolitan downtown Going at high rates of speed on a sidewalk. Reed had a video of a guy holding a baby riding one of these scooters. I, I mean, that should be, you should go to federal penitentiary for that. I just don't understand how that part of it's allowed. Have you ever been on one? I haven't. No. No. I would crack my skull, I'm pretty sure. I have not. Uh, 
I don't plan on getting guy, on one either. A guy was arrested yesterday in San Francisco for for free climbing a sixty story building. Now he's, I mean, he he made it, <laughs> but he was arrested right after. And ABC News uh, asked him, he goes, at any point did you regret doing it? He said, no, it was fun. I'll do it again. Now you know where one would have been practical, Chad. That's someone. Old. That's someone with training, though. We that's talked done. about my twenty-two years old. We talked about my mile walk from the parking lot to the soccer stadium. Yeah. Like, if you're going to ride a scooter, that's a practical time. I, it may, it might be. You guys know that I have a thing about uh, being on something where yeah, like I'm supposed to be moving on the ground, and it's my body making the movements, yet my feet aren't on the ground. I don't like roller skates. I don't like ice skates. Escalators. I don't like uh, pogo <laughs> sticks. Well, again, you don't have very to move. anti-escalator. You don't have to move on an escalator. I, I guess you, you don't have to technically move your feet either on one of these things. Um, I, I have an issue with it. I, I would not enjoy it one bit. Well, I told you guys my story about getting on Simon's Segway. It was like the first day that the, the pandemic shut-in happened. And, you know, at a certain age, and you guys aren't there yet, but you just can't do stuff like that anymore. And, um, you know, two ladies were walking across the street. Teresa was on a, a Zoom meeting. I'm outside with Simon. I get on his Segway. I like, bra- this is somewhat brave. I do a figure eight out into the street. I come back. And for some reason, I decide I'm going to jump off of this Segway, which was absolutely foolish thing to do. I jump off the Segway, but there, there's some you know, imbalance in terms of getting off the, the pedal, the balance thing that steers the whole thing, unless you jump off perfectly, which I did not. And I end up go flying backwards and landing on my back. Just brutal. Pain. And I'm laying there. Well, these two women across the street are like, see it. And they're like, oh, my God, are you all right? But they can't come over because it's just been declared you can't get near anybody. Oh. So they want to come over. They're asking me if I'm right. I just want to lay there for like 10 minutes and recover because I feel like I've broken my pelvis and my back. <laughs> Simon doesn't know quite what to do, but I feel compelled to have to get up because these women otherwise are going to break every protocol that's just been laid out for mankind. <laughs> They're like, are you all right? Are you all right? I feel like broken in half. <laughs> I forced myself to get up. I'm fine. I'm fine. I go into the house, you know, have Simon lay down our biggest ice packs and lay there until Teresa's out of this meeting when I think, I, I think I'm dying. Let me guess. You got no sympathy. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I got laughed at. By <laughs> uh, Chad, can we get into uh, the, the great debate of, or, or the realization of the, of the softball league that you'll be coaching in tonight? Yeah. Oh, rivalry match. I'll hit around the edges here. Um, He's 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 coaching a team that's winning by too many runs. I think the league has turned. <laughs> I'll, I'll preview tonight, it that way. The the, f- t- the five and six year old softball league. I knew this could be an issue because our I knew yeah. our team was very good based on our fall ball performance and carrying over the same roster. And I think we've officially hit the breaking point where the other coaches and parents aren't having as much fun. I, but tonight is also your first game against your most serious competition, the last team that has threatened you. We play the Blue Jays tonight, who ended our season in the fall ball tournament. And a shocking result. Shocking because we, no one came Re- close to us. Shocking upset. Receipts I mean, were kept. Yes. Yeah. I mean, but <laughs> it, you would have been plus. I, I, trust me, the coaching staff and parents' receipts were kept. I don't think uh, our girls on our team have any idea who no. we're playing tonight. But you would have been plus four, plus five, plus six going into the game. 
talking about a, a favored? Yeah. Oh, easy. I mean, I'd say plus 10. We, that's how big enough. We've won one game by less really than 10 runs. We won, yeah. we won 14 to 5 once, and that's been our closest game so far. So now, it's been right around double but, digits. So the girls have no clue, but you were telling your daughter all about it. You're planting the seed. Well, Revenge. I don't want my daughter to share my level of pissed off whenever I lose. In, in but competition. A level. Not your level, but, but I, A level. I want her to find a gear that she can hit it into to where she is going to do anything to win. Play angry. Right? And I, I want to, her to possess that. It's tough to get. Remind us her age. It's tough to get a six, almost seven-year-old. She'll turn seven in two weeks. Tough to get a seven-year-old into that mindset. Uh, but I've been trying this week. We went out and practiced a little bit last night, and I said, Evie, you got the Blue Jays tomorrow. They ended your season last time we played them. I want you to keep that in mind. And she kind of gives me this fake, oh, yeah, it's, it's going to be real tough. Blue Jays, <laughs> I don't know how we're going to win. I said, Evie, you've won every game by double digits. You're, you're, you should win this game. It's not like that. She's, we scored 20 and people are mad at that. We got the Blue Jays. I just don't know how we're possibly going to win this. When I'm like, if Vegas set a line, you'd be minus 7.5 in this game more than likely. You should win. I'm just trying to get you motivated for this matchup. So not not tonight. But I, I do think that the the league has now started to hate you. Turn well, on the Red Sox a bit because we're winning by a lot, and I understand it because I've been on the other side of it. We had the two years ago. We had the Cubs who just routed everyone, and I'd see the Cubs on the schedule as one of the assistant coaches of the A's, and I'm thinking, boy, this isn't going to be much fun tonight. But you know what you do. Get better. You grin, you bear it, you realize the other team isn't cheating, they're not breaking the rules, they're just better, and they've got a lot more good players tonight than our team does. Bath. That's my prediction. If I have now, anything to say Well, how about are the Blue Jays talking tonight? That's my question. How, well, what are they thinking well, coming into this game? I don't know about the Blue Jays. I just know there's a, lot of, there's a lot of chirping going on behind the scenes, but not to Chad's face, about how good of a coach he is. Uh, so good that um, they're a little bit jealous of the team. Chad, I think They you want should, him to stop running. You, uh, not, this, not tonight, because tonight is the rivalry matchup that, that you're anticipating. You should score 30. Tonight. Moving forward, though, I think you should present, because you, you'll know which coaches have been talking. Um, and you, we don't have to name them here because I don't, I don't know them personally. But I'm, uh, you should present them Phil with and Bob and Jerry. as you meet at home plate, and you should be in full uniform for this. As you meet at home plate, <laughs> full Red Sox, you go present buy a Red them Sox uniform with a that dry awesome. erase board, where you just have the graph for the lineup, and you say, "Excuse me, sir or ma'am, madam." Most uh, of them are ma'ams. Coach, ma'ams in coach the fill up my lineup and just hand it to her. We'll play anyway. Whatever you want, you want. fill yeah. up my lineup. Go right ahead. You've done your scouting report. You know all of our players. Now you yeah. fill out the lineup yeah. however you want. Now, whatever order, whatever order you would like them to bat and play, have at it, and then just route them. Well, that's what you should do. So, I again, I'm sympathetic <laughs> when one there's an imbalance, right? And there's clearly an imbalance in this league. We're way better so far than every team in the league. So I understand the frustration with that. He's contemplating this idea. Um, <laughs> here's, here's what I do not have Except sympathy for, though. And I, I would tell the other coaches this also. I know the rule book backwards and forward. Like, I study. It's, it's two How pages. How big is the rule book? It's, it's, it's a he's making it sound like it's the Bible. Paul, I know this Paul, Bible. Paul, he's this is why, this is why I say this. There are, there are uh, coaches who don't really know it, who are arguing things with umpires and with uh, they don't – I've not had one incident with someone coming to me and saying anything. Of course not. At any point. But no I one, know No one talks rules. about Bill Belichick either. Now, <laughs> on, now on this, this past weekend, I had to go and tell the umpire because the other team kept complaining to the umpire about things. And I said, hey, I have no issues with anything going on. I'm telling you, though, 
there's a difference between outfield and infield. And even if the outfielder comes up in the infield, they're still an outfielder. So the rule is, if the ball is stopped by the outfielder and they're not doing anything with it, you take the extra base if you want. If the infielders, I'm not going to run from second to third with the second baseman sitting there with the ball, stopped it, not knowing where to go with it, right? That would be something I would, I'd understand having an issue with if you're the other team. But if the ball is hit hard enough to get past the second baseman and it's to a girl that's in you know, right center but happens to be up on the edge of the dirt holding the ball, that's an outfielder. That runner from second can go to third. And there seemed to be some, some uh, misunderstanding about the rule <laughs> with that that was being voiced by other parents and, and coaches. We've got to get and a I, crew I didn't say anything to the other co- – I don't say a word to the other coaches. I just went to the umpire in a private moment and said, just so you know, we're not trying to cheat the rules here. This, and, he, and the umpire's like, no, you're doing it by the book. That's absolutely right. I, it's also a two-base max. It's not like we could just, hey, keep going. <laughs> I'm sending my daughter, no, take third. Oh, no, she threw it away again. Take home. I mean, they're going to stop at second. I, I want uh, – we, we need to send uh, – got to get they, our whole crew out there. Yeah, yeah, the whole crew. Lighting, Let, everything. Jacob, Corey, who, you know, whoever. Mike's up, Chad. And, and Chad's in, like, the button-up uh, jersey. Shorts, maybe. Maybe it's the shorts. Baseball um, pants. Baseball pants. Not, not with the cleats, but, the like, the turf shoes. Stirrups. Right? <laughs> He's in the turf shoes. And he's fully mic'd up for this experience. I think, so. should wear, I think he should wear a cup. <laughs> I'm all for it. I'm all for a it. cup? <laughs> I'll buy the cup. Yeah, with some seeds. You know, yeah. you, you have the bag of no, seeds. I think, I think for, the, for the girls, chew tobacco. For the tournament, <laughs> I should organize some sort of full uniform yeah. uh, for, the, for the games. And I'm out there pitching also. So, Look, I'm all for it. I'll get mic'd up. We'd have to get some uh, waivers to some parents uh, if their daughters are on mic. But I think that'll be, that'll be fun. <laughs> I don't think there'll be any issues. I can't wait. I can clear it with the league in five minutes. Just like hard knocks, you'll have final edit as the team. Yeah, I mean, I I don't. I don't even think I'll need it. Uh, Well, no, there could be some conversations. Okay, I'll take. Okay, I'll take. Okay, I'll take it. There there could be some fellow coaches that I'll need final edit. Like, no, no, no. Actually, I'll need that because there are things said to the assistant coaches on the way off the field about. Can you believe? That's the best part. Next time, say it to my face. Can you believe, Sally? Can you believe another strikeout? My goodness, (laughs) I could not have pitched it any better. On those, uh, on those five pitches. Okay, so Hutton and I have final edit. Agreed. Yes. But honestly, I, I, there's been no big issues yet. I can just, I can sense the simmering to the, to the surface. Any nervousness about the Blue Jays pulling another upset? I have no, uh, no anxiety at all. As long as, I, I've got the lineup right here. What if they go up 2 nothing? Yeah, in the Chad's first ready. Chad, Chad comes in and prepares his lineup this, every Wednesday morning. With this lineup, she I right hope here. the Blue Jays aren't watching. This lineup that I present to you right now, um, I think we're going to be just fine. Who are the top three? Also, I don't ever repeat someone in a position. So you could do that. Like I, we've got a girl who's really, really good in the field that I could pitch you know, every other inning and put in the, uh, a prime spot. We don't. Everybody plays That's within a the rules. That's within the two-page rule book. You can do that. He's read it. He's studied it. He's memorized it. Within now, those two pages also, of rules, you're allowed to do I also that. had a conversation with the parents that said, Mount Juliet League rules state you get one inning in the infield. So I'm going to make sure everyone gets that if inning. Your I'm going to sucks, try to get them That two. is all she is getting. I'm going to try to get them two, but they're not guaranteed to get more than one, just so you know before you come to me and complain. Don't give me any lip about your daughter only playing one but, inning in the infield if she sucks. Paul, you've been, you know, you're a parent. You've had a little one playing this sport. When you're a parent of one of the young kids or one of the ones that's not as into it or as aware, at least I'm speaking for me now, 
the last thing I want is my young daughters just starting out to be forced to play in the infield every other inning. Like get, get her her one inning in the infield. That I'm fine with that. You put them in the outfield the rest of the time, bat them last, whatever. They're learning the game. Like as a parent, I'm not like, oh, I can't believe she didn't play three innings in the infield like every other girl. I I I have the opposite. Well, I approach. can't relate to having a kid who's not all in and doesn't want to be even at like front, four and five and center. He was all in from the beginning. Oh, there you go. So you would have argued get him get him in the infield. Well, floor. you would have wanted him in the infield. <laughs> yeah, because he's engaged. Well, I, I have a similar situation, but the parents that have that situation, I found they're not coming to me like, oh, you've got to bat my daughter higher in the lineup. I think they're perfectly fine with them getting the least amount of abs as possible. From what I've seen, I think you should also hand out batting gloves and Velcro. That way, they can all play with the Velcro and the batting in the batter's box. My my daughter has batting gloves, one of the few on the team. Don't do it. And she'll wear them in the games, and she's swinging, you know, once or twice. We go and have batting practice. She refuses to put them on, (laughs) and I'm like, Evie, this this is is why you you have them. You're gonna have blisters while you're swinging the bat that many times and hitting the ball, and she won't wear them. Coming up today, Ja Morant and the series between the Grizzlies and the Warriors are exactly what the NBA needs right now. It's, it's living up to every expectation. Current players and former players alike shredding Ryan Tannehill publicly. We'll, we'll discuss that. And Jerry Jones revealed the big board for the Dallas Cowboys after their draft pick on Thursday night, last Thursday night. Someone has been able to zoom in on that list and we have Jerry Jones and, and the Dallas Cowboys first-round grades for all of the players and where they had certain players listed and where certain players that we felt like were surefire first-rounders, not necessarily the case for Dallas. We'll, uh, we'll run through that, plus primary complaint coming up in about 30 minutes. But when we come back, Scooby Wright, who is the former Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, former Browns draft pick, He's now the linebacker in the USFL for the Birmingham Stallions. He joins us next on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Primary complaint coming up. Outkick 360 rolls on. Every time I turn on the USFL and Birmingham's playing, there's a guy that is just showing out defensively. Scooby Wright 
is his name, and he joins us uh, on OutKick right now across the network. Philip Anthony Wright the Third, Scooby Wright. The third. Uh, last uh, last time <laughs> someone called you Philip. Uh, my high school graduation when I had to stand up there, and nobody nobody knew who it was. Not even my closest friends from first, second grade, or who the hell is Philip? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How long? So, when did you get the nickname Scooby? And before I could talk, probably when I was a baby, baby, like toddler. It fits, man. Like I, I, whenever you hear Scooby, right? It just it sticks with you. That's perfect. I mean, you could do this. I know you're 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 uh, training of jujitsu and MMA. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very memorable there. If that you know, if you walked out as Scooby, right? If uh, you're in WWE, if you're in the USFL, I mean, it, <laughs> it, it fits for a defensive linebacker uh, on any of these leagues. Yeah, no, my parents knew I was going to be a dog, so it was fitting. <laughs> Do you plan on getting in the fight game next? Is that the next step for Scooby? Yeah. I mean, the next step being the next goal, the, the goal in this timeline and this exact moment is to can see how far I can, hopefully the third time the charm of this football thing, so I get an opportunity back in the NFL. That's my goal right now. Scooby. But, uh, yeah, I do, love, I do love training martial arts. I do love that. I do love getting after it. So, yeah, probably one day, yes, 100%. Scooby Wright joins us, former Browns draft pick, and we'll get to his background. Paul's got some great notes on that coming up. Um, uh, USFL, the the fourth league, I believe, other than the NFL that you've played in professionally. Um, throughout this this weave of all these different leagues, what led you back to the USFL to do it one more time? So I uh, just graduated the Firefighting Academy in uh, December. And then I was doing some other things. I was doing some EMT classes. And, um, yeah, it was just kind of the right time and the right thing. There wasn't really uh, – I was kind of that in-between of getting hired and fire process and that. And I was pretty much just training martial arts two, three times a day because I didn't get to do that when I was in the academy. So I was just kind of enjoying that. And, uh, yeah, I was in the best shape I've ever been. And I was – there's a few times, a handful of times, I went volunteered at the firehouse and there were football games on. And, I'd be sitting there on the couch and just hanging out with the guys sometimes and I'd be calling out the plays and knowing I could go out there and still play. So it was uh, very cool to get the opportunity to go do something I love again. You have played pretty much everywhere you can, hoping you'll give us an honest assessment of what it was like with the Arizona Hotshots and the Alliance, the D.C. Defenders and the XFL, and, and what was that uh, other league, the, the Spring League where you played with the Alphas. Give us a, a compare and contrast of those. We'll leave the USFL out of it because I imagine you'll say good things about where you're playing now. Yeah, so no, I, I never played in the spring league. I don't know why everybody thinks that. I mean, oh, it's, li- it's listed. It's listed yeah. on your bio. Not the USFL bio, but it's out there. It's like the fake Wikipedia line, I guess, in your bio. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll have to get well, yeah, that added. Yeah, I trust Wikipedia, right? <laughs> 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 but yeah, no, the uh, AAF was super fun. It was super cool because uh coolest thing about that was you were able to play against guys, like be teammates with ASU guys. And like, it was kind of based off where you went to school and where you were from. So you kind of got to meet the guys who you played against and stuff and former teammates. That was probably the coolest part. Like I got to play with Shaq Richardson, who I played with since I was 18 years old. And we got to play a couple of years in the pros and we played a, played a year of pro football together. And my friend Pelly, uh, from Phoenix, we played on the Cardinals, the Hot Shots, and the Defenders together. So that was a pretty cool experience of meeting all those different guys. And yeah, the XFL was cool. It was a great experience. I mean, playing in D.C., that was a 
I mean, we got a lot of fans to that game and I think it was the longest beer snake and the longest beer snake in the XFL was, was there. <laughs> if you look back at it. Which that's a, one of my memorable hey, which league What's were that? you which league were you shotgunning beers with coaches post game? Oh, that was the XFL. I was trying to leave that out, but uh yeah. That was <laughs> there's no that that was probably the craziest thing about the XFL is you walk in the locker room, there's chorus seltzers and you see your homie throwing them out. Everybody's <laughs> rushing rushing to get into the locker room after the game. Nobody was hanging out dapping anybody up here. Hey, I see locker room dog. <laughs> so you tweeted yeah. uh, a thank you to Cal for telling you you weren't good enough to play there or in the Pac-12. How much did mm-hmm. that uh, stick with you? I know it's all attached to Two Star Scoob, your your Twitter yep. handle, um, and and your recruitment. But obviously, you were good enough to play in the Pac-12 and play very well. Yeah, I mean. Uh... Just being a NorCal kid, I mean, I just kind of stung a little bit. They wouldn't give it the time of day. So it always, uh, I mean, personally, anytime I played a team who overlooked me and didn't say I was good enough. Scooby Wright is our guest on Outkick 360. Rich Rodriguez, by the way, said he thought you were only a one star. Was, was that a, a joke by him? Or <laughs> is there such thing? <laughs> he really not see this? Is there even a star? one star ranking in the recruiting services? I don't even know if they have a one I don't know. star. I don't know. He said he offered me after my uh, seeing my first three plays in my highlight reel, so he must have saw something. So stars ain't all of it, you know. Rich Rod is coaching in Alabama now, isn't he? Yep, about an hour and a half from me. I'm trying to make a trip to go see him and say what's up. There's a couple of uh, coaches on his staff that were there when I was at U of A, so it would be cool to go link up with those guys again. Scooby Wright, the former Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year with the Arizona Wildcats, our guest. He's the linebacker for the Birmingham Stallions. Scooby, we get to watch your team undefeated, uh, and that's the one team that's really got a following right now in the city of Birmingham with Mm -hmm. some fans coming out for games. So we get to see your action on the field. I'm curious, what is life like in the hotel in Birmingham every week from Saturday to Saturday or Sunday to Saturday or Sunday to Sunday – when you're not playing in the games, what is that daily schedule like for you and your team as you adjust to life living out of a hotel all the time in Birmingham? Yeah, so I, 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 uh, I'm a smart man, so I decided to not live in the hotel. So <laughs> I decided to get an apartment that I found off Craigslist, like a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> but you haven't yeah, killed anyone no, yet, correct? I just want to make that sure we get that on the record, right? Oh, no, I was making sure my roommate wasn't the yeah. same. Oh, good, yeah, looking, good, yeah. good. Looking to get me. So I was making sure. <laughs> but not vice versa, you feel me? Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was uh, worked out the best it could. I got a great roommate, about like 1.5 miles. So I pull up to my scooter daily, ride my scooter to the game days. So, uh, yeah, I got no complaints. Downtown Birmingham was a cool little spot. So it's in that city. You got to check off the list that I've been in. So the the coaches had a leg up on all the players because from what I I was down at the draft and the coaches were all trying mm-hmm. to figure out the Airbnb situation not you know and and so the quarterbacks were there they heard that the coaches were trying to get the Airbnb so then they locked up some Airbnbs I'm sure so it, it's been tough uh, but uh, from what I understand a, a good majority of the players found spots outside of the hotel yeah no just from. Uh... Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of funny. On the first first day, first game, there was uh, there's a lot of players who live in the place I live at. First day, first game day, I guess the 
New Jersey Generals. I'm walking off the game day, pulling up in the elevator, and uh, Victor, the running back from the New Jersey Generals, sitting in the elevator, and I was like, "Hey, what's up, man? See you a few hours." So I mean, <laughs> there's there's guys who there's guys who live uh there's guys who live in the building. So yeah, a lot of guys decide to not live in the hotel and just have a kitchen and make life a little easier on themselves. Let's go back to 2014, your sophomore year at Arizona. Seems like, just looking at it um, in in words instead of in highlights, it was a, basically a perfect defensive year. You had 14 sacks in 14 games, six forced fumbles. You won the Bronco Nagurski Trophy, the Lombardi Award, the Jack Lambert Award, the Chuck Bednarik Award, and Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. Is that as good a season as you could have had as a sophomore in the Pac-12? What went right? What happened the year after that that you couldn't match it? And and how was that the peak of your football life? No, I thought it was my peak of my football life because I still feel like still feel like I got a lot left in there. So who knows? But um, yeah, I mean that was a great year. I mean that was a great year for University of Arizona football. We went to the one of the Pac-12 South, went to the Fiesta Bowl, and we had a lot of good players on the field. But it was just kind of uh, one of those things in that defense allowed me to do what I was good at. So it's kind of it was cool that they allowed me that freedom to do to do that in that scheme. And then uh, my junior year, I uh, <laughs> tore my meniscus first game of the year, and then all I had to do was just not get hurt, and then everything would have worked out. And I was playing good football. I mean. I was playing way better that spring when going into my soft, going into my junior year in that fall camp than I was my sophomore year. So it would have been pretty cool if I got that year back. But the first game of the year, I tore my meniscus against uh, Texas San Antonio. I came back 20 days after surgery, like a bonehead, trying to play in college game day against uh, UCLA. I ended up getting a Liz Frank sprain in my right foot. So it was left foot, right knee. Then couldn't play at all during the uh, season, only played in the bowl game. And then during the combine, when I was living in Miami, I ended up getting mono. Found that out after my pro day. So that's why things kind of went south after that. So, yeah, that was my uh, – and I got ended up with the Cleveland Browns in the South Round. Where, where are all those trophies and awards? They're uh, hanging back home in Windsor, California, back at my parents' house. Did um, – players want to get drafted – but the mm-hmm. seventh round, is there in the back of your mind, are you thinking, man, I, I think I'd like to be an undrafted free agent and pick my spot? Um, is that in, in, any consideration <laughs> when you're a dra- seventh round pick? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, there's a really, really funny story, but uh, I'm trying to keep it PG version okay. of it. But uh, I was on the version, I was on the phone. It was like pick like 247. I remember I was on the phone with Bruce Aarons. Cause I'm, and, uh, he said, Hey, big, I remember him saying like, Hey, like, Hey, we want you on my team. Da, 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 da. Like we were setting up a deal this and that. And he goes, Hey, we can't do anything right now. Wait till the, wait till after the draft and we'll call you right back. Well, in between like hung up and I was like, okay, like we hung up and I was like, okay, like cool. Like everything's working out. And then he called me again and we are like, okay, everything all good. Nobody's calling you. Then, um, as he's on the phone, I got a phone number for the Cleveland Brio Ohio number calls and it says, Hey, Sasha Brown, GM Cliff Brown, we just drafted you. So that was like really salty in that moment that I jumped into the pool. And uh, yeah. Did you do a good job of holding back your negative emotions <laughs> in that moment when you're on the phone with the GM of the Cleveland Browns who just drafted you? Did you, did you act actually happy in the moment? Yeah, no, I a hundred percent did. Cause I mean, it was, 
end of the day or whatever it is, seeing your name come across that screen and getting that phone call. I mean, there's very few hundreds of thousands of people I get to get to see, get to have that experience. And uh, I was one of the people I did. So it was, uh, it was cool to experience that, but is what it is. Life works out the way it works out. And so I keep pushing. USFL linebacker, Scooby Wright, our guest, you can follow him on Twitter at two, two star Scoob. All of those words spelled out, not the number two, but the word two star Scoob. Um, has there been a moment yet in a game where you thought the drone was going to hit you? No, there's a few times I try to grab it, though. I'm not going to lie. Seeing <laughs> 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 see, see how close I could get to it and have it run away, but probably not the smartest thing. Probably cut up your hand pretty good, so I learned my lesson not to touch the stove with it's hot. Have you gotten close? I mean, how... how no, it kind of kind of squirms away a little bit, so no, they're, they're pretty good. I, I still, uh, I was watching the game whenever you had the the personal foul um, on the safety that everyone <laughs> thought it was a touchdown. I, I don't know what you did other than spike the football. What can is there a PG version of that story? Yeah, they thought I was. Uh, they thought I was grabbing myself, but I was riding oh. my pony, my stallion, <laughs> my stallion, my stallion down the sidelines. <laughs> they, they thought I was grabbing my saddle and riding the sidelines, okay. but I was riding my stallion down the sidelines. <laughs> important sure. clarification. I would, I would yeah. love, I'd love to be in the room when you're trying to, or just right there at the moment when you're trying to clarify to the officials or Mike Pereira or whoever yeah. you talk to about that that says, yeah. no, I'm a stallion and I was riding my stallion. Do you not understand what I was going for with that celebration? Yeah, it's pantomime 101. The- yeah, like how are you gonna name? How are you gonna have us be named the Stallions? Not having ride a Stallion. Right, come on now, it don't make sense. Make it make sense. Yeah. So uh, just I don't. I'm, I mean, I'm sure you haven't seen the the replay of the television feed. As I'm watching it, they're going through to find out whether or not it's a touchdown or a two point or a, a safety. And and the the highlight ends in slow motion with you spiking the football, and then they have Skip Holtz chewing you out on mic. Um, you know, saying yeah. like, "Hey, celebrate on the sideline, not you know, not with, uh, not in the other team's face or whatever." And I'm like, "What did he do? It looked like he spiked, he spiked the football." Now it makes sense, but I think you should bring it back. I mean, I, that you should do it on your on the home sideline this this weekend. Yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, I think now I think now a celebration is you can't do that. You just got to run to the sideline and giddy up with your homies. <laughs> <laughs> how how serious is the mullet game, and how long have you had it? Man, it's a new thing. My hair used to be down to my shoulders, and I had to get all cleaned up for the fire academy and all yeah, stirred up. But um, now it's just, I'm just having fun, so just whatever. Just, it's new. Uh, true that you nearly stayed uh, with the fire department instead of joining the USFL? Like the, the fire chief convinced you to go do this? Yeah, my uh, my my fire captain, Sean Witherall, he, uh, <laughs> I remember I asked him, I was, like, I was like, am I crazy if I went and played football again? And he he told me I was crazy if I didn't. So, yeah, he was my football coach growing up. I cut for a few years and always, always kept in contact with me. And he always uh, just took care of me and kind of led me in the right direction in the fire academy. And yeah, it was really cool to have him and uh, have him be my mentor. Thirty-eight man roster. How many positions are you playing? Uh, well, that first game, that that first game was like a track meet. So we had a house playing two core special teams and I played every single snap of defense. So it was, it was felt like you were playing Pac-12 Oregon again, every single snap 160 plays a game or whatever you want to call it. So you had to make sure you were uh, on your P's and Q's and carbed up and hydrated. 
Doobie Wright is our guest. Uh, you've got Tampa Bay coming up this weekend. That's a Saturday evening game, mm-hmm. 6 o'clock Central on Fox. It's a doubleheader uh, this weekend on Saturday with uh, New Jersey taking on Pittsburgh. That's on Peacock, followed by the uh, big Fox broadcast at 6 o'clock Central, Tampa Bay and Birmingham. Is Teddy Bruschi still your favorite player of all time, and why, if so? Mm, yeah, he's definitely up there, no doubt. But... Uh... Probably James Harrison, John Randall, probably Kurt Warner. Those guys are probably my little my inspiration last last few months in my football football world. What was the background with Brewski once upon a time? See that in one time, sir. What was the background for for Teddy Brewski? I mean, I could see you seeing yourself in him. Yeah, I mean, he's a NorCal guy. He uh, went to University of Arizona, so just kind of that relentless motor and didn't take no for answer and. That's something I try to uh, bring to the table. It's going to be great to meet you, man. We appreciate the time. Uh, continued success in the league. 17 tackles, I believe, last week. Um, so we'll see. Is that, the, is that the high water mark so far for you in a game in three weeks? No, it's not. Because, oh. honestly, I should have had a pick. I dropped one. Okay. And then I should have had another TFL. So uh, I'm the type of person where I get super extra critical of myself. So I'm going to be – Thing about driving myself crazy about those two plays that I should have had versus the 17 that I did have. <laughs> Clean that up. Yeah. Be, beware. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Next, up, next time up. we talk to you, we better be talking to you after you make that pick and that tackle for loss. Also, no. that, that's the goal. I, yeah. I mean, this guy keep getting better every week, which I don't know that you have just uh, not too bad for getting some ring, ring rust off of two years. So just keep getting better every week and keep stacking and keep getting wins. Hey, we know, we know uh, the chief. John Chavis from Tennessee. What what is he like behind the scenes as your defensive coordinator? No, I love him. He's he's great. He's uh, very fortunate to have him be my coach. He's super fun. He uh, learned a lot from him. He's super old school, so it's cool to have that energy back playing football because I respond well to strong authority. Well, and, and Skip Holtz is as energetic as it comes to, to this league. Uh, meeting him for the first time back in February, he is all about being the head coach of the Birmingham Stallions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, Coach Holtz, he's, I love it. I mean, uh, he makes it funny. He treats us like grown men, and he's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, probably one of the funnest times I've had playing football, so I'm very fortunate to be a Birmingham Stallion and have the city of Birmingham uh, open, welcome us with open arms, and yeah, just all the great good guys on my team. It's super fun. Now we'll just have to get them to allow you to ride that Stallion next time, and we'll be set <laughs> moving forward. That's got to be the celebration now. Yeah, right. The stallion. The stallion. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Hey, uh, appreciate just, it, Scooby. Right. We'll be watching this weekend. Okay, yeah, no doubt. Appreciate you guys having me on. I had a good time. Thank you very much. All right, we'll Likewise. do it again. Scooby Wright has been our guest. Yeah, uh, stallions, linebacker. Important the, distinction from Scooby. Right, the stallions. <laughs> yes, yes. Right, the stallions. Yes. And uh, that's... Uh, Glad he pointed that out. They play 6 o'clock Central, 7 o'clock Eastern on Fox. Birmingham taking on Tampa Bay. The quick schedule, um, Friday evening, late kickoff time, right up my alley. Michigan and Philly are kicking off at 9 o'clock Central in Birmingham on FS1. That's Friday night. Doubleheader on Saturday starts at 1.30 on Peacock, then flip over to Fox at 6 o'clock. And then on Sunday, on May 8th, uh, 2 o'clock, right in the heart of the afternoon, New Orleans takes on Houston. Uh, New Orleans and Birmingham played last week in what was a really good game. Birmingham wins at the end on the play where Scooby Wright rode the stallion. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. 
Coming up, other headlines, but first, primary complaint on OutKick 360. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Coming up, the excellent series that continues between the Grizzlies and Warriors. Uh, Plus, current players, former players react to what Ryan Tannehill said yesterday regarding the mentoring or not doing that for Malik Willis. All that straight ahead in about 10 minutes. First, though, every Wednesday, primary complaint. And guys, I'll kick things off today and just make it simple. We had the, of course, yesterday was election day. Some of this uh, leading up to what's to come this fall uh, with uh, other candidates joining the mix. What I find is, it's especially in the May elections, it is very difficult to find results in real time. Uh, the polls close around 7 o'clock. This goes for anywhere you may be listening, around 7 o'clock. And I think it's much more difficult to find accurate results from the polls in May than it is in November. And I would like some consistency in all of those returns. That is my primary complaint. My primary complaint today, I'm actually holding it right now. It is this citation uh, from a police officer in Mount Juliet, Tennessee. It came from this morning. My complaint is not that I received a ticket because, let's face it, I've never gotten a warning in my life. The moment I was pulled over, I knew I was getting a citation, and I just grin and bear it and uh, take what they're going to get me. But here's what I have a problem with. Write me up, officer. That's right. Cuff me. Um, It was 8.42 a.m., and I got cited for going 44 in a 25-mile-per-hour school zone. Pardon me if I thought that by 8.42 a.m., a local middle school was already in session. Didn't even look for the lights. I was going with the flow of traffic, going one mile under the actual speed limit at the time. And I remember as a child, I was rounding the corner to second period by 8.42 a.m. and not getting ready to attend classes. If you want to know why we're falling behind as a country in our (laughs) education system, it's because school doesn't start until damn 8.45 now. And because of that fact, I've got a speeding ticket right here to show. That's my primary complaint. Actually, it's because they have to uh, scatter the buses. And so middle school and elementary school start at different times because they're using the same buses. China wins again. They don't have – how's that China? We don't have bus drivers. China's going to school. (laughs) (laughs) They're in school by 845, I guarantee you that. My primary complaint is the amount of internet inches being spent on baseball prospects. The Athletic and ESPN write a ton about baseball prospects. I don't care about baseball prospects until they're traded for baseball players (laughs) (laughs) or until they make the majors out of spring training or maybe they're called up in September. But I can't believe, I I mean, there are are writers who are dedicated to baseball prospects. Uh, Who is that interested in baseball prospects? I, I want more on the guys who are playing and less on the guys who might play someday. And I, I'm stunned that these two outlets commit as many resources as they do to ranking these players and writing about them. I just don't think there's the market for them. 
it's an interesting approach because you're trying to capitalize on that market for recruiting in football and basketball, but recruiting news only works in major college football and major college basketball. Uh, it has not really translated. I think you're right, Paul. I'm not interested Double in reading guys? about Braves prospects the way I would be interested in reading about uh, Tennessee football recruits, for in- in- instance. It's constant it just rankings of minor league systems. I can understand and- the thinking of, hey, if it's successful over here, it should be successful over here for the fans of your Major League Baseball team, but it does not translate. I- I'm with you. But don't you find there's a lot of it? I, I-, I think there's like a, a-, a whole niche market, and I don't see – sports writing stuff that doesn't draw a lot of readers goes away generally. And I don't know who's reading this. I don't know anybody that's interested in this market. You might be interested in college baseball. Is it an ESPN? And you're interested uh, in major league baseball. But I don't know anybody that's interested in the in-between. It's an ESPN Plus or, or um, a feature through the, the membership side of things. I don't know. Just I see it Insider. on there periodically. I have ESPN Plus, so I don't really differentiate between the two. The yeah. Athletic does a lot of stuff. See, I think it's interesting if you just go back and read uh, or just say, all right, what are the best minor league systems yeah, once in, in baseball and read like the two-paragraph caption, the highlights of the best players in that system and rank them. Or at to me, that's time. an interesting yeah. article. Or at trade but I'm not, time, at the deadline, you want to know who's got the best stuff to deal. But I see it pretty consistently, almost like a weekly thing about uh, who's trending where and stuff. It, it's way more than I think most people want. It was way more than I want, and I'm a baseball guy. I'd like to know if people actually click on that and read it at, at places like The Athletic. They have to. Based I mean, on I, the, I know the – because I read uh, – The I think number of it. I think it's Max Olson that does it, but there's someone at The Athletic does a weekly column on national football, college football recruiting that I'm sure a lot of people click on. I wonder what the equivalent is for baseball prospects when they have that weekly column with baseball prospect news. I mean, baseball's just different in I this agree. way. It's one of the many I, I'm not clicking on it. does not interest me. I don't care what someone with the Gwinnett Stripers, what they're up to when I'm watching Braves games. Yeah, and I mean, Yankees fans joke all the time that minor league players are, you know, merely guys waiting to be traded for major league players. Coming up, we are seeing exactly what the, the, the NBA needed this offseason and regular season. We're getting it now in the postseason with one series in particular. We will also discuss the big board of the Dallas Cowboys and compare it to everything we were previewing pre-draft. Headlines next across the OutKick 360 network.